Hey friends, party people, beautiful humans, welcome to Love Space. I'm Erin Love, your host. This week I sat down with Evan Cudworth, coming to us from Venice Beach, California, also known as the Party Coach. We talked about what it looks like to really foster the sense of connection, how to build relationships and friendships in adulthood, and the kind of friends that we want to have stick around. We talked about being sober curious or choosing sobriety or other alternative ways of partying, how to party a little bit more intentionally to have more fun and less regret, and however we need to party, doing that which helps us to enjoy ourselves and also take really good care of our mental health, our physical health, and our communities. So we broke that down a bit. We both have ADHD, which I learned from this conversation. And so we talked about that as well and what this looks like for an ADHD brain. And Evan, you can tell, is so researched on these topics and working with his clients. He shares a lot of tips and tricks with us. And some of these really tap into you know, neuroscience research on how to prime our brains to feel the way that we want to feel and to actually feel connected with the people around us and all of that. So I found this conversation super helpful and enjoyable. Evan has so much energy and he was very generous to share it with us in this conversation. So the last thing I want to say is really just an apology because I am having some minor issues with my microphone setup, and I am still working out the kinks. Um, but I want to thank you for bearing with me and for your patience. You may notice in this episode that there's just a little bit of a, a buzz when I speak in the microphone. So luckily for all of us, I let Evan do most of the talking here. But I just want to say thanks for bearing with me. It means so much to me to have you here. And I continue to try to make this as high quality as possible for you all. So yeah, if you have some expertise in this area, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> Please reach out. Otherwise, just enjoy the show and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Hi, Evan. Welcome to Love Space. Great morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday and happy belated birthday. Your birthday was last weekend, right? Oh, thank right? you so much. I did. So Scorpio season is in full effect. We're going deep. The shadow world is upon us. And when we dance with our shadows, we can actually enjoy ourselves. So happy to be here. <laughs> That's such a Scorpio perspective. <laughs> Beautiful. So I, I know you had a birthday party that I want to ask you about, but before we, because it looked amazing and it made me wish I lived in Venice Beach. But before we get into that, though, I want to ask you, what's your cultural background and upbringing? Oh, heck yes. Well, thank, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. And I want to hear about how you, actually, how did you spend Halloween? Oh, I love to dress up. I'm like a kid at heart. Yeah. Yeah. I love to dress up. Yeah. I was Frida Kahlo. A costume yes. I bring around about every seven years because I love her so much. She's like my queer <laughs> artist, feminist icon. 
And I did like a murder mystery dinner party on Monday, which was so much fun. My friend put it on. She's really into theater and she like wrote out the script and I was given a, a role. I solved the murder. It was exciting. <laughs> yes. Well, I love that. Well, I, actually, that's maybe a, a great transition into cultural background of where I'm from. I'm a, I'm a theater kid from the cornfields of Illinois. I grew up in Batavia and love both being on stage, love being a part of productions. I love, eventually love falling into the party scene. But yeah, really like I'm proud to be from sort of that prairie suburban outside of Chicago place, grew up Missouri Synod Lutheran, um, which is a very like stand up, sit down, pretty dry Christian background. Uh, but also, you know, knew I was gay at 12 or 13. And I had a lot of questions about the world and, you know, have sort of been on a quest to uncover what makes us the same, what makes us different, and how do we unpack that in a healthy way ever since. I am also on this quest, and I think this was one reason that we connected right away through Instagram, just that we seem to have a shared mission you know, love, liberation, connection. And I feel that this is a time, I noticed this in my 20s a lot too, that I just felt so isolated. You know, you go from having high school and community and then you like want to break out of that and then you have college for those who go or, you know, some other thing that just is this built-in community. And then in your 20s, you go off into the quote-unquote grown-up world and I just felt like so isolated and, you know, even having my family close by in Michigan and friends and all of that, the social media movement almost further isolating us. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear about how you work on connecting, because I think that's a big part of what you do is bringing connection to people that maybe don't necessarily, you know, want to party anymore, or have the energy for it. So how are you, how are you bringing more intentional connection in your work? And I guess maybe we should start with what, what your work is as the party coach. So start wherever you want. <laughs> well, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, I, right before we hopped on this podcast, I just was talking with a new client who is somebody who was fairly introverted, but always felt like he had a tribe. You know, whether that was through work, whether that was through football, whether it was college. And I was recently going through some changes in his relationship and things like that there too. And like looking up and realizing he's in his mid 30s and like, oh, like the people I partied with or the people that I was doing all these things with are not doing that in the same way anymore. And I don't have these muscles on how to connect with people. And he was talking about like resent, like resenting some of his friends because they didn't want to hang out certain times. And like, I think this is a really common thing that we all experience. And so like long and short of it, what I do is I used to wake up on Mondays and I would be like, that was a really fun weekend, but, and whether that but was, I drank too much, I felt hungover, or I was anxious, or I was hanging out with people that I didn't really like, or or I wasted the whole weekend binging, you know, The Sopranos and like not talking to people, you know, like all of those things are things that I have done on weekends. And 
I just want to get rid of that butt. So I had this idea of a party coach, right? And if you look up the word party, it literally means the most simple definition is like to enjoy ourselves together, right? So a party can mean lots of different things to lots of different people. For me, again, for a lot of times growing up in Chicago, party meant waking up at 8 a.m., slamming beers, slamming whiskey, being as drunk as possible. Whoever threw up before noon won the won the day. You'd, you'd nap. You'd wake back up and you'd party again. And like that was really fun for me for a long time. And of course, again, until it wasn't. And then the butt started to, to pile up, right? I was not – my hangovers lasted until Tuesday. And I realized that I was spending a bunch of money that I didn't have. And all of those things start to pile up together. So, again, returning back to this guy who's who's working on this – he wants this tribe. I think a lot of therapy and a lot of life coaching, a lot of things really focus so much on like ourself, like who am I, my story, and what I am, which is great. But – what happens when the rubber meets the road, when you're going out to connect with other people? How do, they, how do you deal with those anxieties? How do you cultivate healthy relationships? How do you party for your health in a sustainable way so that you perhaps don't need as much booze and substances, but you can still feel those same awesome emotions that we felt at other times in our lives, but do so in a way where we're not regretting it on Monday and Tuesday? Yeah. I've talked before too with uh, my friend Lisa, who was recently on the podcast about just how awkward it is to navigate making friends as adults. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's something we're kind of not taught how to do that unless it's really modeled for mm-hmm. us in our community. So for those that you work with and those that you know, I know you share so generously on your Instagram and you know other platforms about how to foster this connection, you know, what do you say to folks that have kind of looked around and said, you know, I don't, none of my party friends are around anymore. None of them are doing the same thing. Where do I meet people and how do I feel that sense of connection? Where where do we start when we feel like we're back at zero? Yeah. Well, first of all, know that, again, you're not alone, even though it feels like you're alone right now. Like, obviously, we're, we're doing work and we have clients because people are curious about this. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, I'd actually just start with a question for you. You know, this, these friends that you were doing this, the Halloween party, like, how, how did that friend group arrive for you? And what does that look like for you? We met through a mutual friend that I had in law school. And yeah, it's really... It, when I look at the people that I spend the most energy on now, and I really am bringing that intention to it, it's these friends that really hold the vision for me and really believe in when I tell them I'm really excited about a project, they're like, yes, yes, I see that for you and tell me how I can support you. And so even if we have partied together, there's a deeper connection there. You know, we can, we can join each other over drinks or not. And the things that we're talking about are things of substance and things that we're passionate about. And so I feel like the people who have stuck in my life and who I have kept close are those people that I can bring those dreams to. And it's a safe place to really be vulnerable and say, this is something I really want to do. And I don't even know if it's possible. For example, starting this podcast, the two friends that I was with on Monday night, were some of the first people that I shared this dream with because I knew that they would encourage me. 
they would be honest with me if they felt like it wasn't something I was ready for. And I was just met with such support and encouragement and and coming from such a real place too, not like, oh, just telling you what you want to hear, you know, really hearing me processing. A lot of times they'll follow up with me a couple of weeks after we talk. Like I was thinking about our conversation and I thought of this other resource, mm. you know, and really just wanting to support each other. And so, the, and the friendships that have fallen away are friendships that maybe were more surface level than I wanted to admit. And those would be people where we kind of all know the same people and we're kind of in the same scene, but I don't really know anything about them. And I, I don't really know their heart, you know, because there's never been that opportunity for us to sort of lower that, that guard that we often have up, you know, at the club as maybe you should to really mm-hmm. get to know them and, and what are their insecurities? What's really going on with them? And I don't know about you, Evan, but when I was growing up, there was from a very waspy background, there was not a lot of unpleasantness that was encouraged. It was like, oh, keep it, mm-hmm. keep it light and polite, you know? So I was not used to going deep with certain friends, but the friends that kind of pushed me to do that are the ones that really stuck around, even if it made me uncomfortable in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, so it's two things. One, yeah, just that, fear of like going deep with even friends like my uh, podcast project that i've had and sort of abandoned and it comes back and forth is called toxic positivity um is literally the name of it and it's, it's all that idea of like good vibes only right like what does it mean when we only want to show up as our best selves around friends and oftentimes this happens in the party scene but i noticed it happened you know like in my midwestern upbringing too especially in family and stuff like that, you're sort of incentivized to intuit what everyone else is feeling all the time and not actually bring it up, but you're just supposed to know about it. And then you solve it through cooking them a casserole or, you know, like, or like this sort of like four dimensional chess way of telling people like, you know what they're feeling, but not actually expressing it. Oh yeah. Never say it. Never, never say it. Right. Make the casserole. Right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I want to circle back too of what you said. These, you know, this tribe of friends that you're excited about that like your ideas and sort of help you pursue that. I've have been seeking those, but I re- like I've had to let go of friendships even in the past like six eight months as I've done this party coach thing because I've realized that even people, even friends that I thought were really like in this with me and excited for me are annoyed by this by what I'm doing, you know, and are like not willing to go on this journey with me, you know, and that's okay. I think if I was myself 10 years ago, I probably would have been annoyed by some of the the things that I'm saying and what I'm doing, right? And like they're at a different place on that journey. And hopefully, you know, like maybe they make their way here, but maybe they don't. And that's okay because that's not where they're headed. But I have this other saying with some friends that I met here in Venice. We can swear on this podcast, right? Yes, you can. Yes. Okay. So we we call each other our fuck yes friends. And this is like, I have a buddy uh, and like a couple days 
it was like right before quarantine, but somebody texted, it was like, hey, do you want to skydive into a music festival? And I was like, yeah, sure. Do you know anyone wants to go? I was like, yeah, sure. So I text him and I just saw like a, a image of like what it was. And like 20 minutes later in signs, he's like, RSVP, yes. You know, and we, we, we literally like sk- what drove out and skydived in this music festival, right? It's like people like that, that say fuck yes to things that I'm excited about and not the people that are like, let's spend three weeks figuring out like exactly like how we're going to like make this happen. There, there's value in that too, but people that just want to be with you and are going to say yes to like the crazy, beautiful, awesome things in life that don't necessarily involve just going getting drunk on the weekend right because that's that's a difference too i had a lot of fuck yes friends but they were all it was only because we were going to get fucked up and it wasn't fuck yes it was fucked up friends right and i was one of those people too right and i fully own that um but that's not who i'm as interested in being nowadays so when was there a tipping point for you that this shifted or has it been a gradual thing over your 20s? Like, do you have a moment in your mind when when that switch flips? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm grateful for my dad, who is a writer and instilled in me at an early age of like keeping a journal and a diary and pretty much from age like 16 on. Not every day, but like three to four days a week at least, I have journals going through everything. And sometimes they're Google Docs. Sometimes they're – I have a bunch of them like sitting here in front of me right now. <laughs> but like I have a lot of journals that I've been writing. And as early as age 22, 23, I have these journal entries that are like, yo, Evan, like you're partying too much. You're wasting your potential. You're – I'm a cellist. I'm a musician. I fancied myself a writer. I was a playwright. I was an actor. But very slowly, even in my early 20s, the party scene and like being out and like going and doing that type of thing became my number one priority, right? And I knew it at the time that I was making those decisions, but I was also preemptively thinking like, eh, you know what? Like you might regret some of these things, right? But after that, it was a pretty slow burn, you know, like I wanted, I would still, that I would get success, right? I would find some new job or, you know, I'd get in, I talk about tribes. I met this group of ravers in New York and we, it was a bunch of like attractive, wealthy, fun people who wanted to be around me and, you know, spent years like partying and making that my life, you know, and it was fun and I do not regret that, right? It gave me a lot of great things to write about. But at the same time, you know, one out of four or five weekends, I'd come back and write being like, oh, crap, I spent a bunch of money I didn't have. My self-esteem is in the dumps, right? Like it was this seesaw back and forth. And I've had a couple moments of like like white light. Like <laughs> one of them was an acid trip experience at Burning Man. Another one more recently was like a heroic dose of mushrooms at like a bachelor ceremony, but actually an experience of just doing breath work on the beach uh, about three or four years ago, which if you've not done holotropic breath work is a breathing three part through your chest, through your belly and your mouth where you're inviting in sort of different ways that we're oxygenating our blood and they talk about essentially your subconscious rises to the surface and you know if my chicago self heard me talking about this my la self right now would have been like what are you talking about that sounds like such bullshit 
But for me, I had this experience where my subconscious ego like rose up and I was like, Evan, you are you've experienced enough of what this thing is. It's time for you to evolve and grow into the next stage of who you're going to be. And I literally like I heard a voice in my head say that. And until I heard that voice, I was holding on to so many things. I was still trying to be that 23 year old. Right. And I held on to that as long as I possibly could. Um, But now I've, I'm still dragging my feet in some ways, but I'm constantly setting aside my ego and things like that to evolve and to grow and to be of more service to other people. Yeah. So if you're anything like me, and I think you are, I definitely had a very big, long party time in my life. You know, I, I always found, I think what it was for me and I, I now I'm understanding myself more. I have ADHD and I wasn't diagnosed with that until I was an adult. But one thing I'm understanding about people with ADHD and the way that our brains work is that we are, we need more dopamine than most people. And so a lot of us seek novelty and the party scene, especially mind altering substances, whether it's alcohol or other things and the excitement of the social scene, all of that is just so satisfying to my ADHD brain. And so I think for me, my shift, you know, of wanting to be more intentional and wanting to be healthier with the way that I treat my body is I'm noticing it's twofold. I think one of those things which you alluded to in your breathwork insight is that this isn't, I, I've kind of seen what I need to see here. You know, mm-hmm. the novelty has started to fade and, and I would go out, you know, like the last few years of trying to go out in the same way, I would always kind of have these big expectations and then feel disappointed when I was out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the other part of that is really wanting connection and feeling like, the people that are doing that aren't my people anymore. You know, whether it's people that are younger or just they're dealing with something where they kind of want to zone out or numb. Mm-hmm. And here I am like, let's talk about our feelings. Let's go deep guys. <laughs> like those are the people I want to hang with now. And I just, I don't find that that works well in a space with lots of substances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, it's been kind of that twofold. Gosh, I relate to that so much. Uh, first of all, yeah, like I was just diagnosed with ADHD like a year or two ago, at and it explains so much. I mean, I just textbook case, but my nickname and Burning Man was literally Springs because I'm always on Springs. I literally like I'm just always <laughs> jumping around. I was just always like that type of thing. You know, super procrastinator, always chasing dopamine. But you know, for up through college coasted by i think a lot of people on like the the talent of like just charming people with whatever it was and it didn't show up a lot in my performance but it became quarantine made it severely debilitating i couldn't show up for stuff that i had been okay i'd been holding it together barely before but it's just it all started to fall apart as well for me too so first of all i just relate so much there and i'm hope that you are finding support and resources that work for you. I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm off medication and everything. Now I've been doing this ADHD coaching. That's all about prioritizing your feelings and how every, 
procrastination or chase is a result of me like reacting to some sort of discomfortable feeling that I'm not able to reach and sort of how do I do that? And so for me, it's, it's, it's been really great for right now. Um, but yes, the party scene and what that is and like stimming literally the act of like dancing and sort of being in that space. Like I love, you know, I never somebody that would get super, super anything. I just liked a little bit of a lot for a long time. And so I would be like pretty buzzed for a long time. And I could just like party for three days constantly. And that was me keeping my body in mind and sort of that constant state of pseudo stimulation so that nothing, so that everything felt a little bit new. But it's so funny. You just talked about that. Like, like feeling you're feeling these are the people I want to be around this, this business partner that I've been working with. We've been throwing my birthday party that I threw this last weekend. We've been throwing these events called super bloom which is breath work and yoga and sort of that type of work. And originally we were like, we're throwing this for like our party friends on a Sunday where they can come and like recover and sort of vibe. And, you know, originally we were like no booze, which was fine. We were like, Oh, other stuff is fine. But, you know, realizing when people are showing up on psychedelics or on mushrooms or the things, it's like, it's not even really safe for them to breathe or to be there. And do we really want that to be the place where that's, it's just for people to like continue to numb themselves out and not connect. And like, it's really hard for me as somebody who's like advocates for those types of things. But like what I'm creating the space that I'm interested in getting people to is when you can, you know, like raw dog life and raw dog, the, the emotions <laughs> of getting together and socializing with people. And like, that is the, like, it's dope. It's really cool. when you can do that. Uh, but I'm still figuring out how to talk about that and how to invite people in so that they feel safe and feel supported in that space. Because it is, even if you don't admit it, it is scary. Yeah. And for me, the dopamine seeking continues, but in a way that feels like there's so many, and I have psychedelics to thank for some of this insight, but there are so many amazing things to experience that are outside of the realm of, you know, drugs or alternate consciousness or anything like that. But I don't necessarily, if I'm just sitting at someone's house or like at a bar, I feel antsy. And then that's when I feel like, oh, I need to have a drink or I need to kind of almost like lower my vibration to be comfortable here because I'd rather maybe, so then it's like the question of being radically honest with yourself. Well, what would you rather be doing? What do you really want to be doing? Instead of what is everybody else doing? What do you really want to be doing? And for me, that's like going to the ocean, you know, or dancing my ass off or, you know, having a new experience that I've never had before. So skydiving into a festival, like, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. fuck yes, as you would say. Yes. So yeah. seeking out those experiences and travel has been a huge outlet for that for me. But I just recognize that not everybody needs that, but I need that. And so how can I honor what I really need? Because if I ignore that and just try to buckle down and be just like everybody, you know, yeah. I am neurodivergent, you know, yes. ADHD is a neurodivergency and really just honoring that there's a lot of advantages to it. I would never trade it for the world. My brain works in an incredibly beautiful way. But how can I satisfy that? You know, so maybe that's pushing myself physically. You know, I know you're big with working out. Like, 
those are the things that actually fill my cup now. And mm -hmm. drugs maybe satisfy that, but there's the but, like you said, you know, yeah. there's that added trauma to your body. And the older we get, let's be honest, I know we're pretty close in age. It's mm -hmm. rough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's rough. Well, you know, and that, like the people pleasery side of both, I think, ADHD, but also the, the party scene in general, right? Is like, you're sort of out to be seen, to be validated, to sort of feel all And I love, you know, like the dressing up in costumes and like, uh, like there's so much, again, it's, it's really hard to differentiate like what parts of it's again, it's neither good nor bad. Like it served me and it worked in a lot of really effective ways for a long time. But yeah, you, you bring your head up and you're like, Oh wow. I have all of these skills and tactics of like people pleasing and sort of quickly getting validation and, and, and getting that quick hit. Whereas now my body and mind is asking for different things. It's really hard to let go of things that worked and provided you your tribe and provided you a lot of those types of things. And so I think the myth and why I'm, love that you're this mission of this creative love and like why I'm doing this party coach thing is like when I wanted to get sober when I was 25, 10 years ago, and I looked out there and all I saw was AA or pretty much nothing else, right? Like there wasn't at that time, especially there just like wasn't a lot else out there. I just, I wrote it off, right? And, and full disclosure, I'm in recovery. I love AA and I think it's one of the best. It's it's probably the be one of the best things that's ever happened to me. But I wasn't ready or willing to like look at those possibilities because I was so tied into the beautiful, like the beautiful parts of the party scene and the stuff that I still believe is possible. And like, no matter what you choose to do, whether you want to be sober or not, we can find the party tent is big enough that we can create spaces where everyone can feel like they're comfortable and like they belong. And we don't have to point fingers and say, you're doing it right. You're doing it wrong. I'd say the only th way of like doing it wrong is if you are, you know, actively, you know, trying to excite, like push people to disconnect or like not connect with other people. And, and then we can, we can discuss why that is, but yeah. So for those listening, who are what I would call sober curious. Maybe this is something that's been nagging at them, or maybe they're just ready to feel a little healthier. Um, I know there's been recent articles too out in like Vice and all over my Instagram feed, which again, it's probably just people that I'm following, a lot of conscious mm -hmm. health people, but that like alcohol is not cool anymore. Like, what, what do you say to somebody who's maybe sober curious as a good place to start where they can feel supported? And do you have a recommendation for folks in that position? Heck yes. So one of the first things I'd recommend you doing is, so there's two things. One is sort of a self and the other is, is a community. So I, one of the first things I have all my clients do and everyone that comes in is I have them do a dopamine like detox or dopamine fast. And you can Google this. There's lots of different people that have it, but I recommend about 24 to 48 hours choosing a time where you're going to get off social media, abstain from booze and drugs, abstain from processed foods, spend about 48 hours, just listen to music, read, walk. You're going to be bored. All right. But during that time, start to journal a little bit about 
hey, like, what is my social, what does my social life really look like over the past six months, six years? What's, what's serving me? What's not serving me? Um, you know, what have I regretted? What have I not? But ultimately, like, what's at stake if you keep doing exactly what you're doing for the next six years? All right. And, and nothing is more clarifying than like, if you like play that and be like, Oh wow. Like if I'm doing exactly the same, like, what does that look like? And so just, just start with a little honesty in yourselves. And it's, it's going to be easier to be honest with yourself. If you unplug from social media, if you unplug from a lot of these little things that are giving you that hit and your mind can get louder and you can actually hear yourself. So just do a little dopamine detox and start with that with yourself. Number two, Know that you're not doing this alone, right? If you're having these thoughts or if you're thinking through this stuff, there are so many like resources and teams and groups and things like that that you can connect with. I'm a guide for this app called Lived. That is, it's all about just guides. We tell our stories of like, hey, when I wanted to stop drinking, this is what happened. This is what I did. And we have a little community inside of that app where you can just like post, hey, I'm feeling XYZ thing. But like, if you try to do this all yourself and you're like going up against your friends or up against even your former self, like, yeah, you're going to be lonely. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to suck. But like, there are so much, so many people out there trying to solve this problem and create communities so that you don't have to do this alone. So that's the second part is like, know that whatever your journey that you're on, there's a tribe that's like super excited to have you and not have you be perfect and not have you like think about sobriety being the rest of your life. It could be the next weekend. Um, but just find somebody else to do this with. Um, and I run a program as well called party coach. That's just very basic discord. We get in, we talk about what's working, not working in our lives. If you want support from me, I do that as well. But this is born out of, you know, when I always try to do this, I always try to do it on my alone. Alone. I think ADHD of ourselves, that's what we liked. It, it was like, I'm going to go solve this problem with my brain, right? And it never worked, right? The only time I've ever made progress and the only time I've ever felt for momentum is when I admitted that I didn't know the answer and I solved my problem with other people. Yeah. It's a connection opportunity you know, mm -hmm. with yourself and with others. I really like the idea of the dopamine de detox. I've never heard that term before. And that's amazing. And I think 24 to 48 hours, you know, it sounds maybe long to some, but it's really not that much time, you know, a weekend to invest in really just being honest with yourself and giving yourself a chance to check in. Like, where are you really at right now? Are you really doing all right? You know, mm -hmm. I think that's helpful. Yeah. And I would love to know for those listening who maybe it's unthinkable to them to go without alcohol or drugs or um, to go out without that stuff. What have you experienced, you know, both in your body and then in your mental health and social life since being sober? Mm. Great question. First of all, again, for anyone that that was unthinkable, that's again, right there with you. <laughs> like, like, I just don't think that would have been, I just wasn't, didn't desire it. Um, I'd advise you to think about like flip the switch of like, think of all the things that you didn't think were possible that like booze and drugs have brought to you. Right. Like for me, you know, psychedelics allowed me to like transport through time and see some really cool things. Right. Like, I've had those exact same experiences in sobriety 
but I remember them and they show up in my life every day. <laughs> and like, I know that might seem like a bit like, what are you talking about? But it is true. Like it's a different preparation that you do to get into these things. But I call it like hacking into your feelings or like by creating intentions around what we want to feel. So for example, I, I work with clients who like want to feel more connected when they go out, right? Instead of thinking of like, okay, like I'm going to dress a certain way. I'm going to look this certain way. And that way people will connect with me. Your job is to go to that party and look for somebody else that looks like they are craving connection. And your job is to facilitate connection for them to experience it. And that might be with you, but it might be with somebody else. Maybe it's you introducing to someone else. And when you see that connection happen, your mind gets out of that ego that's telling you what you deserve and what you don't deserve. And it's showing you that all you need to do is show up for somebody else and have them facilitate that feeling. And then you can feel it too. And that's a spiritual experience in my opinion. You know, like that I'm getting like teared up just thinking about that. But, but the greatness that we're all chasing is very often accessible by slowing down and providing it for other people. And the more you can practice that and more you can show up to a bar by yourself and like hear people talking, like facilitate some sort of a connection for them. And maybe that's all the energy you have for tonight. And this is going to be the case too. If you are newly sober, yes, it's going to be different. Is it ever going to be the same? Some things, yes, but most things, no. You're, you might have more energy. You might have less energy. I went out on the night before Halloween, night before, sorry, the night before my birthday, went out to like a big Burning Man art car rave and like complete nothing in my system, danced my butt off for five hours. I went home at 11, right? And like that, I got, I was able to do that. The party still went for another three to four hours. I would have been up till sunrise every year for the past 10 years, right? But what I, and so maybe there would have been some fun things, but like I got what I needed and then I was able to wake up the next day and throw a party for 200 people on the beach, you know? So like th that's possible for you. You can actually achieve more. You can feel more. You can connect more um, when you allow those possibilities into your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can. I think the other thing that, that came up for me is, as you were talking regarding recovery is I know that one big aspect of recovery is service and it's what you're talking about, you know, showing up and, you know, saying to yourself, okay, I want to, I want connection. That's kind of this feeling that I'm craving. So stopping to check in hugely important step. And then acknowledging that instead of going out and being worried about making sure you get what you need, it's like just trusting that, you know, whatever you need, you will be taken care of, you know, by the universe or a higher power or spirit, whatever you believe in, you're going to be taken care of. But what can you do to be of service? You know, can you find someone else? I love that suggestion of like, really giving what you want to receive. And mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that's such a spiritual experience. I think so many of us have trouble receiving, but giving maybe especially us Midwesterners, giving feels so much more comfortable. So start there, like give, you know, give of yourself, however you can, whether that's connecting people, you know, starting a conversation with somebody who looks a little uncomfortable at a party, really listening to the people that you're interacting with, whether they're sober or not, you know, just really listening 
and giving. And I think we get that back tenfold. You know, even if you don't end up connecting with anyone in that party, even if you can connect two people and foster this genuine connection and feeling of connection, not only do you see that it's possible, but you take a part in that, you know, and, and you were used for almost like a higher purpose than yourself and just getting out of yourself. Yes. So and I, for anyone who's listening to you, there's a quick little tactic that I teach. It's called F this and it's FFF. But when you're in a party and you're feeling that anxiety, the first is forget or forgive, right? Forget the why, you know, why are you feeling, if you're feeling anxious, like forget that right away, right? The why doesn't matter in that moment. The next one is feel the present, right? Feel it in your body, feel like whatever, like really get clear. Like what, what am I looking for right now? And then go find that vibe, right? So you're going to go find mm. that whatever that vibe is by facilitating a connection. And and sometimes it's important to know, and something I've learned too, we don't always go to a party seeking connection, right? Often, sometimes we're going because like we're stressed the F out and we want to disconnect and we want to just like be in our minds and stim or like be in that part of the body. So like feeling truly, I think a lot of times when I was abusing drugs, it's because I went to a party thinking I wanted to connect but actually what I wanted to was to disconnect, right? And I wasn't clear yeah. on what I actually wanted. And I was frustrated because all these people like wanted trying to talk to me. And I was like, actually, like, I don't want to share any of my emotions, right? So F this, you know, forget the why, but feel it, just figure out what it is and then find a way to facilitate it can help you just be honest and, you know, not make panicked decisions when you're at a party. Yeah. I like that tool a lot. Thank you for sharing that. So what has been the most surprising thing for you about sobriety? The surprising thing about sobriety, I think it's the, the fact that there's so many other people out there in the world that are walking some version of this path that were just invisible to me. And I think being in the party scene how much I was, especially for me, like how much I was drinking and using, like there was a bunch of people who are doing it more than I was. Right. So it's like, I'm not the one with the problem and, and even calling again, but just seeing that there are a lot of people that have this way of moving through the world that seemed so foreign or so difficult for me. And they were finding solutions every day to do that. Um, and we're curious about it and humble about it and willing to help me walk that path. It just makes me like optimistic about humanity <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the more, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Yes. You know, yes. and the, the older and wiser I get, I realize that there's so many different ways to do things. And traveling has been a great resource for this knowledge too, but just seeing you know, there's other cultures, there's other people, there's so many other possibilities out there. So I think the first thing is just to be, to be honest with yourself of is what you're doing serving you and what would you maybe change? Uh, or how do you want to feel that you're not getting that need met? And then being open to possibilities. I mean, it's not necessarily that you need to go out and figure this out, you know, just being open to it. I think those people that are walking this path that maybe you want to walk or these opportunities for connection or these fuck yes friends are out there and they will 
they will find you, you know, it will, it will all happen. I think, um, just trusting that, you know, it's, I think sometimes we have this fear of letting go of certain friendships or letting go of substances because we're afraid that nothing is going to fill that hole. And so for me, it's been a really helpful practice that I'm definitely still, still needing work on to really trust that any space that I create, letting go of these things that aren't working for me anymore will be filled by something so much better than I can even imagine. Uh, and you remind me of this mantra that I've been repeating a lot to myself the past month or two, which is to release is to receive. And as you know, I'm holding up my fists right now for those of you on the podcast, but like, you know, as we hold on really tightly onto things, you know, there's no room to pick up something new, right? And which is a sort of a basic concept for us, but we get, there's a lot of information out there on like hustle culture and like, just keep going and like one more time. And like, there's a lot of truth to that, right? But you have to get honest with yourself. Are you holding on to something that is like no longer serving you? Or are you like, growing are you growing right is it holding on versus growing you know my i went out sober to a bar in, in la a couple weeks ago and i had my phone like in my front pocket i knew this was a place where there was pit pockets and i literally like get like shoved in the back of the head and they stole my phone my like new phone my wallet like all my cards everything right so without that for a couple weeks, then a whole bunch of other stuff, my key broke off in my moped and like, I couldn't draw. I, it's like, that's my way to like get around. There's just been all these things, the ways that the world lately has just been like, Hey, you know, like you, you don't need this thing right now. You know, like you're holding on to these things that you think you need. And you know, a bunch of cool stuff has happened when I've set those things down that I said, this is required or I have to have this for any given time. Um, so for anyone out there that, is like fearful of what it means to set those things down. If you don't set them down, the world starts taking them away from you, you know, in some ways, right? And that can be an opportunity for, for growth as well. But meeting these new possibilities with like a genuine curiosity, like you were just talking about and, and joy is such a cool way to get to, to live life. I'm grateful that, uh, I've had a lot of amazing mentors, teachers, coaches, podcasts. I listen to so many podcasts and I have so many, you know, mentors who probably don't even know their mentors who, who have conversations like this. Right. And I'm just honored that I get to share a little bit of this experience. One final ADHD point, trying always to do it like my own way, but also the, the right way. And then when I don't, I try to make up for it by doing 10 other different ways, you know, and like, that's a really exhausting way to live life. And I've been burning myself out for so long. And this week on Wednesday, you know, like I schedule after a big birthday party or after big things like that, I schedule like a full day where I don't take any meetings. I don't do anything. I just completely unwind and relax. And that works for me for a long time. I was so guilty about Oh, like take, take the day off or take that kind of thing. It's like, nope. If I don't do that, then I spend three days in mediocrity, not actually producing the things that I want to do. And I'm not actually achieving the potential that I wanted. So. Well, yeah, just sometimes doing less is 
is the best possible way forward. You know, like yeah. we were saying, you know, just feeling like you have to force, force, force. You know, if you're in a place where you're uncomfortable and you're feeling isolated, you can feel this urgency to like be out and be seen. And I think that's all coming from this place of fear of sort of mm -hmm. being forgotten about or being irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we can really connect with that inherent worth that we all have, that value that we all have, and, and really, like you've said a couple of times, that we're really not alone, even if it feels that way, if you can really trust that and let yourself do nothing for a couple of days, like the dopamine detox is a beautiful example of that. I think you will find that things will, the right things will flow with more ease when you stop pushing so much. 100%. You remind me of one last thing that we've talked about, which is, you know, our happiness is the gap of our expectations to our reality, right? Mm. If your expectations are always here and your reality is always here, there's this large gap between your, your expectations and your reality. You know, that's a, that's a pretty tough way to go through life, right? So one of the things that I have people, clients do and sort of think about is when you go out to a party, oftentimes you, even if you're not setting expectations, you have expectations and they are diverse and they are varied and they are extreme. You expect to like have fun with your friends. You expect to meet someone to hook up with. You expect to, you know, like have that perfect moment by the and you have all these expectations. Instead, what if you went into that party with one intention and an intention is not a promise. It's not a goal. It's how you, it's a possibility for how you might feel. So I have people write down like, Hey, I want to feel connected when I'm at this party. And then when you're vibing with your friends and you have that moment of like feeling connected and you're able to relax and enjoy that moment, you've met your intention for that day, right? And like whatever else happens, you felt that kind of a thing. And it releases you from the expectations of having to have all these kinds of things because you've created a pathway for your mind to experience that intention. So as you start to go off into happy hour with your boss or a music festival or a wedding for your cousin, instead of going in with all the expectations of what are people thinking of me and seeing of me, I encourage people to write down a simple three-part intention and it's three, three ways to feel. How do you want to feel during the party? How do you want to feel when you leave, when you get in that Uber home? And how do you want to feel the week after, right? And the simple, like creating priming your mind. There's a lot of neuroscience around this, around we can actually prime our mind to feel certain things by letting it know it's, it's, Hey, it's okay to feel this thing or, Hey, I would like you to feel this thing. Right. And if you're already filling your mind with all the anxiety that you think you're going to feel, they're probably going to feel that, but this intention allows you to feel those things. You know, it's a really cool experience to watch clients say, yo, like once I, like when I did that, like I noticed myself, you know, not chasing that the sixth drink because I was trying to talk to this girl who like I'd already talked to somebody that I wanted to talk to today, right? It relieves us of those false fake expectations and allows us to live into our intentions. Yes. And to use your example too of, you know, priming the mind, if you go in and you're like, my intention is to feel connected and it's as simple as that at the party. And then you have this moment where you're talking with your friends and you're all laughing together and you're like, 
oh, ding, ding, ding. I recognize yes. that I'm feeling connected. Yes. And you might have missed that if you didn't, you know, just taking that split second to be like, I want to feel connected. And then you're kind of looking for that and like just to notice it, not like trying to push it, but just noticing it when it actually does arrive. And you can appreciate it more because you're like, this is exactly what I wanted to feel tonight. I don't need, you know, I don't need to win a gold medal at this party. I, this was how I wanted to feel and I'm feeling it. It's all right here. Yes. That's it. That's it right there. Yeah. Therapists have been doing this with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and there's lots of other modalities that have been using this. But, you know, where I think it has not been applied and where I'm, again, thank you so much for having me on to be able to talk about this, you know, party people, we're, are still, we're still somewhat resistant to this in some ways, right? It's like, don't tell me how to, I don't want you to tell me how I'm going to feel. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do four bumps of Coke and I'll feel exactly how I fucking want to, you know, it's like, there's still that, like, and I get it. Like, I am so that way. And like, but over years of training myself, how to set these intentions, like, all I can speak to is my experience and my friend's experience. Um, is it's a whole like you talked about possibilities or like surprises like i just didn't think that i could feel this okay in my own body and okay in my own mind when i was out uh, you know around people that i wanted to impress you know so it's it's there it's there for you if you are willing to release to receive it yeah. And I really like that visual, the closed fist and opening it to receive. Yeah. Like you have to let go to have that open hand to receive. I think that's beautiful. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Evan. I, I would love for you to tell folks how they can connect with you, hear more about your work, work with you. Tell us where we can find you. Amazing. Well, again, this has just been such a joy. Thank you all for listening. You know, I can tend to get excited and I get very animated <laughs> when I speak and talk. So thank you for my verbal tics, for uh, listening through the verbal tics. But uh, to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, Evan under slash Cudworth, C-U-D. But if you also just search The Party Coach, I'll pretty much come up on all of those platforms as well. You know, the best way is just get to connected through there. I run a Patreon community. And there's different levels that you can join in there. You can start at just $5 a month. That gets you inside of the Discord if you just want to poke around and start to meet some of these other people. Um, we meditate every morning at 7.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this is like, I call it pregame your day. So this is if you've never meditated before and just want to come in and like take a shot of mindfulness, come and join and do that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can find me in all those places. You can find me at most parties in LA. <laughs> I'm usually still out dancing sober. Um, I throw events on the beach here, um, but make my way around and uh, just know, yeah, party means to enjoy ourselves together. And I'm on this mission to show us what happens when we party more, regret, drink less, and start to heal this world through setting intentions instead of expectations. Beautifully said. Thank you so love much, it. Kevin. Yes. Sending you so much love. Thank you all. Bye.